it's time for the Catalyst Midweek Podcast, where we continue the conversation from this past week's message. Hello and welcome to the Catalyst Midweek Podcast, where we keep the conversation going from this past week's message. And today we are all honored to be in the presence of a man full of biblical knowledge, miles and miles of it. That's right. The one, the only, our youth minister, Robert Harlemert. How you doing, Rob? Doing well. I love being a part of a podcast where we can measure knowledge by distance. (laughs) That's right. We can. Miles and miles of it. My name is John Kelly. I am the discipleship minister here at Catalyst. And this week, we're actually going to be talking about Rob's message from this past Sunday. It was quite a glass-shattering experience for all of us. Um, And we'll talk about what that means here just in a little bit. But uh, our our theme for this week was Faith in the Face of Rejection, part of our 40 Days of Faith series that we're in. And the main thing was Faith in Jesus gives us the hope to continue through rejection. Rob, why was that the main thing you chose for this week? I think, well, the reason I chose it was uh, because a lot of people stop their faith journey after rejection, where they experience something that's negative and they stop doing it. That's why a lot of people stop going to church because they had a bad experience and they don't want to experience it again. So they're like, I'm just not going to go back. Um, The same reason why people stop volunteering in ministries or sharing their faith. It's because they had an awkward experience or they were rejected or told no. And nobody likes being told that. It kind of hurts a little bit. And that's where this came through. It's like, well, we can't stop after we receive rejection. And the reason we get to keep on going is because we have hope in Jesus and we already know the ending, what's going to happen. We're going to have eternal life. So we can't just stop because we get told no once. Like, it's not the end of the world. I agree 100% with you on that. It is definitely not the end of the world. Um, I found it interesting, though, um, when you talked about the first time you ever experienced rejection. And if somebody's on here today and you're listening and you didn't get a chance to hear the sermon, you need to go back and listen to the sermon. But, um, Rob, explain what your first experience with rejection really was. Oh, I told a funny story of the very first time I got to clean the dishes with my dad. And I don't know if everyone experiences this on the the first time they get to clean the dishes or help clean the dishes. Um, But my first experience, I uh, broke one of my dad's favorite glasses. I think I said it was a plate or a bowl or something, but... Um, as we talked more, I realized that it was a, he had a favorite glass that he drank his orange juice out of every morning and he had four, it was, a, he had four of them and I broke that and, uh, wow, you're I freaked just, out. you're just pure evil. aren't I you? I know I freaked out cause I, I broke it and I felt bad and it was like, I didn't know we had four. I just thought we had one that it was his favorite one. Just like I had my favorite, probably had my favorite mug. It was probably a Barney one or something. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, he freaked out because there's glass that goes everywhere, and I freak out and I run. And that was the very first time, or at least the story that I told. And how the very old were you when this, when this all happened? So it was be- we were still in Cincinnati, so I was probably f- four or five, I'd say. I'm just imagining in my head a four or five year old Rob Harlemer. Well, I'm like the same height. And breaking like a glass <laughs> and then running, crying. To another room I because I was he's crying. So upset. I just freaked out. Oh, you were crying. I, no. You were crying. In my head, <laughs> okay. in my mind, 
in my imagination, you're crying. Okay. So I will go with it. So it it makes for much more entertaining visual for me. So uh, no, I I really I really appreciated when you brought that story up because um, to help illustrate that fact, while you were talking about it. Um, you actually had some dishes on the stage, I did. Yep. And, and you picked up a plate, and you threw the plate behind you to a loud crash. Yeah. Yep. Um, for anybody who was here Sunday, and you're wondering why it was so loud, Rob had actually taken basically square sheets of metal yep. and put them behind him to guarantee that these things would break, and so it basically magnified yep. the sound by yep. like tenfold. Every time you broke one of these dishes, I think my wife almost had a heart attack on three separate occasions as you were doing this throughout the message. Yep. She was uh, taking notes, um, which somebody took notes on your sermon, man. That's, I told you, makes me feel you're, good. you're very brilliant. Thank and the you. simple fact that people take notes. Um, but my wife was taking notes during your sermon, and every time she would look down to write something, that's when you would throw a dish. Yes. I mean, it was so funny. She jumped at least 20 times. That's awesome. Um. Your your main text that you used uh, in the message was Acts nine twenty six through thirty, and uh, it was it was when Saul, who eventually becomes Paul, was going to meet up with the apostles, and it was for the first time, and they only knew him as Saul, the guy who liked to hurt and imprison Christians. Yeah, and there was some real animosity there between them, deciding whether or not they actually wanted to meet with him. Yeah. And um, concern over their their well being in the process. Um, I know when we talk to people about rejection, a lot of times it's their past that gets brought up as to why people reject them. Have you ever experienced that in your life where um, people didn't want to hear what you had to say or didn't give you credit because they knew something from your past that? They felt like negated that. Um, I don't think so too much. If it if they did, I probably didn't pay attention to that. I, I the one that is the loudest, I think, is my age, and not necessarily my age, but uh, if I grow my hair a little bit and I shave, I look like I'm like 22 <laughs> or 23. And uh, that's okay. When I was 30, I got. I, I used a credit card to pay for pizza at a restaurant, and the lady who was taking the money from me, who was younger than me, by the way, yep. took my money and said, I can't believe they give you teenagers these credit cards these yep. days. Yep. I, I was 30. I know. I had an experience like that just the other week, um, something like that, where I was talking to somebody else three years older than them, and they were, they were talking to me like I was 18, and I quickly mentioned to them how old, and their eyes got really wide. Uh <laughs> But I, I think that is the biggest one, um, where people just kind of reject me because like, well, this kid has no idea what he's talking about, or he has nothing good to offer, um, because not not catalyst, but the average age of a person that is in a Christian church in leadership is older. So when I go to these meetings or. Um, I meet people from other churches that are outspoken about what church they go to, which I love. Uh, most of the time, they're in their you know forties, fifties, or even later, and I look like I'm just this this little kid that's hanging out with kids, teaching them <laughs> about Jesus. You know, it's funny because um, I faced a lot of that early on in ministry as well. Um, 
baby faces unite. Yes. Um, we, uh, I, I faced that a lot. But then as I got further into ministry, I remember applying for a church in my hometown where I grew up in Ohio and um, wanting to go there to be their youth minister. And I got rejected. And I got rejected solely on the fact that they knew me from when I was in high school. Obviously, that was really frustrating for me because um, I wasn't that kid anymore. But because I was that kid, it disqualified me from an opportunity. And uh, I remember being really hurt by that. And I remember... um, I don't want to say being defeated, but it sure felt really close to being defeated. Like, well, maybe I shouldn't be in ministry because if I have a past, then maybe people won't pay attention to me and people won't give me a chance. And uh, it's really interesting that the apostles were basing their opinions off of Saul based on his past, and yet they let him come. And I think what you see there is what we need to see in the church. It's okay to be cautious. It's okay to have concern. It's okay to be worried about something. But ultimately, if we're to love like Christ loved and if we're to treat people the way way Christ would treat people, then we need to look past that. And that's what they did. But then shortly later in that same section of Scripture, uh, Paul goes to meet with the Jews that he was supposed to be meeting with. Yeah. Um, that originally he was going to meet with before he met Jesus on the road. And they plotted to kill him. Yeah. I mean, when you were when you were writing the sermon, you got to that part. What was kind of going through your head is how do I talk about this? Well, how do I how do I present this to people in a way that they're gonna see that in their lives? Yeah, I I viewed it as like me, because he he was a Jewish leader, so I was like, okay, if he was kind of like a, a minister of his time, I maybe. Um, now, he also did some other things. It's a lot different. But if you were to translate that to now, it's probably like me going to a town to, be, to meet a bunch of ministers. And then me sharing what God is doing in my life and what he's presented me with and them looking at me like I was crazy. Like, you know, you can't speak that like that. We don't speak like that around here. You need to get out of town. And if people that were like my own people were to say that to me, I'd be like devastated. I'd be hacked off. I would be like, well, man, what's the point? If I'm the only one that believes this, that Jesus is the one and only God and he came down here and he was here and he, he died and he rose again and he gives us grace and that's the only way we can go to heaven and nobody else believes it, like that'd be really frustrating for me. Um, so that's where I brought, found these other points. I was like, well, okay, that's for me, but what about other people? Where well, do they experience this type of rejection? Yeah. And you gave four places you, and I'm only going to name the first three because I want to save that last one and really actually take some time to talk about okay, that. Okay. That's one. fine. Yeah. But, um, you, you talked about rejection from friends, rejections, rejection from family and rejection from coworkers. Yeah. Um, why why were those three kind of where you went with first? Uh, I did that because that's what Scripture talks about. Jesus talked about all three of those that, uh, um, well, he experienced, I don't know if they were his friends, but at least his acquaintances 
where they just stopped following him because it got uncomfortable. Um, he also talked about how in the household that it was going to start, like households were going to be against each other and they're going to start fighting because of faith. Um, and a lot of people experience that. And then the last one, uh, coworkers, he, God called people to leave jobs to follow him. Um, which we don't necessarily, well, some people do. Um, but people change the way that they are in jobs because of Jesus. And, that was just something I experienced, and I thought maybe somebody else in the audience might have experienced that as well. Well, I would even say once you insert Christ into the workplace, it can get really uncomfortable for some people. Yes. Um, be, because once, once Christ has entered the marketplace, so to speak, there's a different level of what's viewed as good. There's a different yeah. level of what's viewed as moral, and people don't like that. Yeah. People and get really uncomfortable when someone with faith steps into the fray because the moment they do, I, I'm trying to think the best way to word this. Well, I, I kind of compare it, maybe, it's not 100% this way, to like if you were on a basketball team and... Uh, you were playing and you're comfortable with it and you guys are having a good time. And then like the best player in town comes to play with you guys. And it just really shows you how bad you are at the game because well, he's so good. Yeah. That, I guess that that's kind of what I was saying. It's, yeah. it's almost like there's a mirror that walks into the room at yeah, that moment yeah. because you see someone who's living a life where they're happy and where they don't crack dirty jokes where yep. they don't, get drunk on the weekends where they're committed to their family. Mm -hmm. And when you see that, all of a sudden there's a mirror back at you. Yeah. And when you're not living that same kind of life, suddenly a, a sense of guilt can sometimes come over a person yeah. or resentment towards that other person as though that person now thinks they're better than you, even if they don't. Yep. And, and so the moment Christ enters the workplace, um, you're almost guaranteed of rejection, almost guaranteed rejection every yep. time. Yep. And, that is where you really have you really find out who you are. Yeah. Because if you can be shot down and just give up there, you're you're really not going to make it. Yeah, no. I I'm, know. I, I mean, I I'm a musician. I was I was the worship minister here at Catalyst for the first 10 11 years of the church and uh, I've been doing worship since 1993. And yes, I'm old people. Um, I've been doing worship for a long time and I got turned down for a lot of jobs. I got turned down for parts in productions. I got turned down for bands that I tried out for. Um, and if I would have just stopped, I don't know where I'd be right now. I don't know what I'd be doing. And, and if you talk to anybody who's a, a big-time actress or actor or a musician who's sold millions of albums, they will tell you they've been rejected so many times along the way. And you don't find success in anything when you cave to rejection. Yep. And anybody who's had success has been rejected. Mm -hmm. And if we think our faith is going to be any different, we're, we're wrong about that. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people... Just with normal jobs, not anything that has faith-based involved, 
involvement. The majority of the conversations in the workplace are probably not centered around good things all the time. I'm sure there is good conversation that right. happens, but there's a lot of joking. And there, like you said, there's a lot of just things that probably aren't very godly. And when you don't engage that, engage in those conversations, um, there's a lot of different ways that, that can change the workplace because it could change where people just don't want to talk to you anymore because you're no longer viewed as fun. Well, and uh, I think that goes across with your friends and family too. Yeah, yeah. When you when you come from a non-Christian family and all of a sudden you become a Christian, yep, it's that same mirror. When you're with your friends, the things that we all thought was, was fun together, yep. Well, now it's not fun for you, and so suddenly they have this feeling of, well, he's judging, or yep. he he doesn't want to be around us anymore, or you know, there's there's always this this mirror effect, as I like to call it, that that you get when you when you're around people who um, just have a different value system than you do. Yeah, which brings us to that fourth one, which is why so, I wanted to save that one for last, because if there's one group where we should all have the same values, yep. It's Christians, but yet we find rejection from our own people. Yeah. Sometimes. Do you want to kind of expound where you were coming from when you when you wrote that out? Well, the problem with any group of people is you never talk about the good that comes from people. You only talk about the bad. And even though there's very, very small bad, like it's, it's less than a percent of the people in the church, um, but those are the ones you remember, unfortunately, and those are the ones that people talk about. Um, so when somebody's in the church for 10 years and they have one bad experience and they leave, they all of a sudden forget about the amazing 10 years they had. They just quit because of one bad experience. And that's what paints their view of the church. And if they talk about their church experience, they never talk about all the good fellowship they had, all the fun games they played, all the good conversations, and maybe even the church helping them. They just talk about uh, the one bad thing that happened. And I really wanted to talk about that because I, I, I did want to shed light on the fact that, look, people get in arguments. You know, there's going to be disagreements in the church. We're human. But we need to also understand that the majority of people in the church are great, great people, like incredible people. And you can't let some rejection in the church stop you from experiencing the bride of Christ. And, and I'm going to go a step further with it. Um, we actually talked in a message not too long ago. We did a series called The Tension is Good. And we did one of the weeks was between grace and legalism, I think, was was the idea behind the message. Yeah, I think that's this, what it was. This idea that everything's by the rules or so much grace we can do whatever we want. Yep. And that tension just lends itself to rejection. Because if you're someone who is a graceful person and you're at a church that's so legalistic with everything, you're going to get rejected because... You're too graceful. You're too. Yep. You're, you're too lax. You're liberal. Is going to be the the liberal. mindset there. Or too and, flippant. Or, or too flippant. Yeah. yeah. And if you're at a church where it's grace, 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 to the point of do whatever you want, it's okay. God will forgive you. And then you're like, well, hold up. There's still some. There's still got to be some kind of order mm -hmm. to your life. Well, then you're too old school. You're too. Uh, you're too strict. Yeah. And and it's amazing how in churches, 
we can be judged and we can be rejected because of, of being too far to one side or the other. I know people in churches who um, they just felt beat up because yeah. they had strong convictions and their strong convictions weren't taken seriously because they were being too old school or they were being too strict or too legalistic when they weren't, but they were treated as though they were yeah, and they were crushed by it. Yeah. I think of all of the things that you listed, rejection from Christians is the most painful. I, yeah. And that's why I said that in my sermon. I said, this is the hardest one. And, um, I, I hate it that it happens. You know what else I hate? The fact that people move to Nicholasville to die. Do you hear all these sirens? Yep, it's a constant. It's just always going downtown here in Nicholasville. We get into a serious conversation, and then it's woo the whole time. I mean, yep. am I am I lying? No, you're right. I, yeah. I mean, right now we have. I think the world has come to an end on Main Street in Nicholasville right now. Yep. I mean, there's there's got to be at least four or five cars out there with their sirens going. I'm sure. There's like an ambulance, a fire truck. Five state troopers, two local sheriffs. Um, they've probably got, you know, the dare truck is out there too. You know, I'm I mean, sure. it's like it's like around. the SWAT team is on its way. And I mean, who knows what's going on? But every time we try and get into something, it seems like there's an there's a something's happening. People are yep. dying. Yep. Because we live in Nicholasville and people move here to die. <laughs> so, um, okay, I'm done with interrupting your 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 thoughts. Now let's get back to where we were. If I can remember where we were before that, uh, we were talking about Christians experience tension within the church. So I, th- I think the, the main reason that this happens is Christians get comfortable. Absolutely. Whenever Christians or people in general, whenever people get comfortable and then somebody else brings a little bit of discomfort into their lives, they naturally push back. Um, even though the tension like that sermon series is good. Yeah. You do need some uncomfortable in your life because that grows you. Mm-hmm. You learn how to deal with certain situations and then you can move past it and uh, you can help somebody else that's been, that's dealing with that current situation that you, that was awkward to you once. Um, but a lot of people can't handle it or they choose not to handle it. Let's, let's say that instead where they're like, well, I'm comfortable now. I don't want to be uncomfortable. So I'm just going to push back anybody who makes me comfortable, uncomfortable instead of showing them the grace um, that Jesus would give them. And I think that's in every part of our society today. Yeah, like it's in and everything. Especially in the political realm. It's amazing the battles that are going on right now between people over political lines. And today I just I was e- I was eating lunch and I decided to read. I'm just going to read what people are saying to each other. And I was shocked at just the personal jabs and the insulting because they had different ideologies when it comes to politics. And people took it so intensely serious that they were willing to lower themselves to acting like 10-year-old children. And even in the church, there are times, there have been churches that have been split over the color of carpet. Yep. There have been churches that have been split because they changed the order of the worship service. This is insane. (laughs) I can't imagine that God sitting in heaven looking on his people is going, that's great. You know, it should be blue carpet. Those people need to go. He's not thinking like that, but but that's the mindset. We 
we like to choose sides and we like to fight. We live in a society that likes to fight. And it's sad that that's actually made its way into the church. Yeah. But people are people. I mean, we're not perfect. And I think we do need to understand that we're not perfect. Um, Christians are not perfect. If you, if you go into a church and you think you're going to find perfect people, uh, you're just going to be discouraged and you're going to be frustrated. Well, I heard through the grapevine that you're perfect. Well, that's different. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love it when I can say things and just take you completely off your game. Uh, it makes for some, some entertaining podcasting. So anyways, people are not perfect. You're right. Yeah. And whenever people... When imperfect people get around imperfect people, then imperfect things happen. And that's when this tension uh, between friends, family, coworkers, and Christians happen in all scenarios. Um, and rejection happens is because, unfortunately and fortunately, we are given free will by God. And we have the ability to think on our own. And when people think on their own, the majority of people in the world think internally, which is... Uh, themselves and not Jesus. And whenever you think about yourself first, um, you're always going to hurt somebody else. Absolutely. Well, you, you gave two options that we can stop because of the rejection, which is obvious, or, or we can move forward and realize that there's more. Yeah. And I think it's obvious that you've either, you're going to go one, or, one of two ways. Yep. There's really no other options than those two things. What I found interesting, though, was the scripture you decided to end with. Because... Saul has come and he's met with the apostles. He said his life threatened. And then the believers, when they saw that he was being threatened to be killed, they took him and they sent him to Caesarea and then sent him off to Tarsus. Basically to Turkey is where they sent him. And the next verse in Scripture says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. So basically, we got Paul out of town. Now everything's good. Yep. Um, why? Why did you end your sermon with that scripture? I find that very interesting. That that's that's kind of the the last scripture you used. And uh, we did have technical difficulties this week with our our podcast. So that's why the the sermon isn't posted this week. Um, so I, I want you to explain why that verse would be used at the end of the sermon, because it's it's not to, in my head when I read that I think man Paul must have been a real jerk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but why was. why did you uh, why did you use that verse? Yeah, I didn't talk too much about it, um, but that second point that we need to continue to to go like take basically take the next step and realize that there's more. Um, if it wasn't for the rejection, like. I don't think they really describe how bad that rejection was. Um, I know we read that, yeah, the Hellenistic Jews wanted him out and they, and they wanted to kill him. Um, you read that in a sentence and you kind of brush over it, but probably the fear that the disciples had and the fear that Paul had and the other Christians that were in town, like, look, they want to kill us. Like, what are we going to do? Um, if it wasn't for that rejection, there would be no thought process of, okay, well, this guy is going to make an impact. What if he can make an impact over here? And how important that rejection is in taking that next step, because if they never took that next step, he would never have helped plant all these churches in, uh, in the un, in unreached people group. He would have never 
written and and uh, been encouraging to all these churches that were struggling because he never would have visited them. He would have been just stuck um, with all of these Jews trying to convince Jews to follow Jesus. And as we learn from this scripture, that that was not what he was supposed to do because he would have died a lot earlier in his life. And I think this was a good moment for Paul. Yep. Personally, I think this was a good moment for Paul. And the reason I say that, all of us, when we start out in ministry— we think we know it all. We think yep. that we have every answer, and we have these really sharp edges to yep. us. And as we do ministry, those edges get rubbed off, and they get they get softened. We better understand how to communicate with people, how to talk to people, how to teach people, how to lead people. And Paul, being part of the Sanhedrin like he was, very sharp edges yep. because they were the authority. No questions asked. You do what we say or else. Yeah. I feel like in reading this, we see a Paul going to these Jews and acting like that towards them as though he is now the authority and they need to do whatever he says and pushing them to the brink of wanting to kill him. Yep. And he had to be broken a little bit. And by being broken, he realized my job now is not to try and transform these Jewish leaders into believers is to go to the Gentiles and realize that they don't know who Christ is. They don't, a lot of them don't even know about the prophecies of Christ. So they need me more so than even these Jews need me in Jerusalem. And so now my ministry has to be transformed. And it was because of his rejection that he found the ministry he needed to be doing. Yeah. Just like we were saying before, a lot of these famous musicians and artists and and actors, they had to be rejected from certain things mm-hmm. to be able to find out what they really needed to be doing. Yeah, and we even experience it in today's culture as ministers. And if you have been in the church a long time, you might have experienced this. If you try to talk to a person that's been going to church since they are a kid, and they, they've only been to one church, and they've only done church one way, they've only done ministry one way, and then you come in and try to present another way to reach a certain people group, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes you're, the, what you're presented with is a little bit of, you, a lot of pushback. You're Absolutely, like, there's a lot of like, pushback. Like, what do you mean? We've always done it this way. Why do you want to change it? Which isn't, which isn't wrong. Um, but if you, in contrast, if you go to talk to somebody who's never been to church, and you're like, hey, this is what we're about, this is what we're doing, this is the way we do church, you'll get a lot different reaction uh, than to somebody that already has a history of doing one thing. Well, it's one of the reasons why church planning is so effective at reaching lost people. Mm-hmm. Because you can you can go to them, like you're saying, and just be completely honest. This is what the church is supposed to be, and you're not going to have a lot of history of that church coming up from behind and fighting you on it. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the things I love about Catalyst is as this church has grown, we've been able to build the culture yep. instead of reprogram the culture. And you know this from your church history and your church background. I know this from my church background. I'm sure Dave knows it from his church background, and Jenny, our children's minister, knows it from her church background. Yep. It is nearly impossible, not impossible, but nearly impossible to transform a church culture that has a history behind it. Yeah, it's hard. 
Um, well, man, I, I appreciate your message from this past week. I appreciate that. I, I'm really glad that uh, we got a chance to talk about this today. Um, as always, I have been enlightened. I feel like I'm deeper in my spiritual walk now because of being in your presence and hearing the knowledge come forth from from your mouth like a spring of living water to me today. Um, And I know everybody who's listening today feels the same way. So, Rob, thank you for being a part of the podcast today. Uh, Do you have anything you want to say before we close things out? I don't think so. I just love the fact that we can measure knowledge with distance. Miles and miles. That's right. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Catalyst Midweek podcast, where we continue the conversation from this past week's message. Be sure to listen every single Wednesday as we bring this to you and continue on the conversation. Thanks a lot and have a great day.